Attention parents and coaches. Do you wish you had a safe social media platform for your youth athletes? Fortunately for you, there's a revolutionary new app that helps with just that. Introducing Small Player Big Play. Small Player Big Play app provides young athletes, parents, and coaches a user-friendly sports social media platform. The app allows users to connect with friends, make new friends, create groups, text, chat, and post pictures and videos of you and your teammates participating in your favorite sport or activity. To begin, users can simply download and sign up for the app using an email account. Younger users have the ability to sign up using their smartphone and a parent's email address. From there, users can begin to interact and engage with other users of the app. Small Player Big Play app also gives users the ability to live stream full games and events. You can live stream your event so that friends, family, or anyone in the world can see you in action. Users can also share posts from the app to their other social media accounts like Facebook and Twitter. What are you waiting for? Get in the game and share your love of sports with the world. Download the Small Player Big Play app today. Are you ready to listen to my dad, Joe, and Uncle Justin talk about sports? Now on with the show. The Joe Mays and J-Raph Show is brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop, which have been serving the greater Westlawn area delicious food for over 70 years. You are listening to the Joe Mays and J-Raph Show. Boring. A... <clears throat> weekly podcast about sports since 2011. Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? With a focus on football. Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. Mahomes takes the snap. He's just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson. It is going to use up all the time. The game is over. And the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rathoff. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the Joe Mays and J-Raph show. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays. And sitting across from me, as he has been for the last few months, is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, um, you know, it is the season to be thankful. So I am going to be thankful that we still get to sit here and and talk about sports and that there's uh, lots of things, um, you know, to kind of keep us entertained on that front, even as infuriating as some of those games may be. Yeah, it wasn't a banner weekend for us in, in any season. way. Season. Uh, it's, season. It's not a banner. Season. <laughs> season. Sure. Um, you being an Eagles fan, it's been particularly difficult, something, uh, I'm used to, uh, yeah. as a Dolphins fan, but it hadn't been over the last five weeks, but unfortunately they, uh, they came up on the wrong side of the game at mile high today against Denver. And that was incredibly disappointing, but we're going to get into all that because, you know, for those of you who've been with us now for closing in on 10 years, we talk predominantly NFL here. We love our pro football. Nothing against college football, hockey, baseball, a uh, little NBA even. But, I mean, football is our bread and butter. And Justin and I love to talk about it. And we're going to do something a little different tonight because we have a guest with us. Someone who hasn't been on the show before, but someone who is... Uh, vested in sports and loves talking about sports, especially on Twitter. He's he's a must follow if you're yes, on that absolutely. platform. And um, we're going to bring him in here right now and welcome to the program for the first time, Mr. Paul Roberts. Thanks, Paul, for joining us. Hey, it's great to be on, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, you've had quite the Twitter renaissance of late. We love following you. I said uh, back, let's see, I don't know when this was, maybe probably actually the beginning of this uh, unfortunate situation we're in with the pandemic, because uh, you just had all kinds of uh, breaking news and, and great insight, and uh, it's just a, a must-follow on that platform, uh, and it's great, and I love seeing you're uh, embracing the uh, 
world of sports betting that is uh, that's been fun to keep up with so um really we're, we're we're happy to have you here with us on the joe mays and j-rap show and look forward to talking some pro football with you tonight yeah thanks for having me on again and and let me say right at the, the start i know we're going to focus on the nfl but i hope the the wilson community and i know you guys have a lot of followers in that school district. I hope they appreciate the job you guys do because uh, a lot of schools I think would kill to get the coverage that you two guys provide. And it's obviously one of the best programs in the state. I haven't had a losing season since 1963. I was negative 14. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's a tremendous program. And you guys uh, really uh, do a lot of work, put in a lot of hours for that. And uh, as far as Twitter, yeah, people can find me at Paul Roberts Cuse. I'm a Syracuse grad, paid off the loans, I think, last week. That's a, that's a di- different story. But um, uh, yeah, I, I focus mainly on local sports, but obviously on an NFL Sunday, I'll talk a lot about that. Penn State, Sixers, Flyers, Eagles. Uh, all of that stuff as well. But most people, I think, know me for the, the local high school sports, and I've been covering that since 1999, which means I'm old. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's about it. Hard to believe it's been that long. But, yeah, it's uh, going to be fun talk with you guys. Well, we appreciate the kind words about our um, coverage for Wilson, and um, we certainly appreciate everything you do for all the teams around Berks County, um, not just the Bulldogs, but everyone. You, uh, you're the one that um, kind of lets me know what's going on outside of Wilson for sure, and a lot of the time inside Wilson. So uh, yeah, it's great. Like I said, you want to give Paul a follow on Twitter for sure if you're into um, Berks County and you know, local sports. But as you're going to hear tonight, uh, big into pro football as well. Um, and, and Paul, before we dive into the pro football, I, I love the Syracuse connection because, I mean, you know as well as I do, Penn State's not actually really known for their basketball program. So growing up, I kind of had to have someone else to look to. Um, and Syracuse was the team that I, I kind of latched onto, and I actually was lucky enough to see a game at the Carrier Dome during Carmelo's freshman season. Uh, it was a come-behind victory over Pitt, and that was one of the best the sports experiences I've ever had. Justin and I uh, randomly will do, like, top five, top ten, like, moment-type things, and when we went to our best in-person sports moments, that game at the Carrier Dome was one of mine. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was really fortunate because my freshman year was 95, and I was there the same four years Donovan McNabb was the yeah. quarterback. And I know some Eagles fans may have different feelings, but <laughs> as far as what he did in college, it was a tremendous four-year run. Marvin Harrison was at wide receiver when uh, McNabb was first there. And then Kevin Johnson became the number one wide receiver. Uh, Donovan Darius was there, who played a long time in the NFL. Keith Bullock was there. Rob Conrad was the fullback. I mean, they, they had some really, really good teams uh, struggling now. I watched the game on on Friday night, and uh, that was tough against Louisville. But also my freshman year, they went to the Final Four, and I just got lucky that it was at the Meadowlands, and my dorm, I could probably throw a baseball and hit the Carrier Dome from where I lived when I, I was first on campus, and, and someone just came down our hallway and said that they're starting to sell tickets for the Final Four. So me and my buddies sprinted over there. And if people don't know, a Final Four ticket's almost like the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It is very hard to get. It's really rare. And they only give out, I think, a few hundred to the individual schools. But we got in line, and we were lucky enough to, to get them. And I think five of us piled in my buddy's Geo Storm. And <laughs> uh, one of our friends lived in Jersey, so we were able to, to stay there. And we saw the final four, and Syracuse uh, got to the final, lost to Kentucky that year. Might have been the best college team I've ever seen. I mean, they they had pros coming off the bench. I mean, they had Walter McCarty, Tony Delk, Antoine Walker, uh, Nazi Muhammad. They were just absolutely loaded. It was probably one of Beheim's best jobs because Syracuse had John Wallace, 
who was a lottery pick and then did not pan out in, in the NBA. But outside of him, it was not a star-studded team. It wasn't like the Derek Coleman, Ronnie Cycli, you know, Sherman Douglas type of, of teams. Uh, but they ended up getting to the, the championship game. So I was spoiled. My, you know, my first year, McNabb at quarterback, and I got to go to the Final Four. That is awesome. What a great story. And just you talking about that and just pulling these names for the football and basketball players, you know, these mid to late 90s names, you fit in very well with Justin and I because we right. just rattle off random names and people usually look at us like, why do you know that? Yeah, I, why do you know that? I often tell people, I'm like, man, if I knew other things as well as I know, like sports memories, man, I, I could make a killing somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that in craft beer is about the extent of my knowledge in life. All right. Well, where to start, Justin? Do you want to dive in? Do you want to get the Eagle stuff over with? Yeah, let's rip that band-aid off that real quick. Real quick. Okay. So another disappointing performance from the Eagles today. It wasn't exactly ideal weather conditions, but... I don't think um, anyone wants to hear any more excuses. Or as they call it, a beautiful day in Cleveland. But. <laughs> um, another really just a disappointing performance all around. It's something that Eagles fans have gotten used to during this season. Um, you know, we're past the halfway point. And this, I think people, if you haven't realized it by now, this is the Eagles team that you're stuck with for this season. Uh, the good news is um, the NFC lease that I like Paul brings up um, quite frequently. Um, the Eagles are, I believe, still in first place. And yeah. con- really, they control their destiny. You're yeah. in first place. You, you, you win a few games here and there. You're going to make the playoffs. Um, what yeah. was your biggest takeaway from today's okay. game, Justin? So my biggest takeaway is, I think, what you've said. Like, I... I Every week it becomes a little more clear what this team really is, and they're just not very good right now. Um, but I feel like each week I've kind of been like, oh, well, if they put it together, you know, if they put it together, not necessarily thinking they would, but just starting to think like if they put it together, I think, you know, they could not that they're going to be a good team or a championship contender, but that they could win a few games and and win the NFC East. But I watched today's game and I'm like, I don't, I just don't see that happening. And honestly, I feel like they're closer to being the worst team in the NFC East than the playoff, you know, team out of the NFC East. Cause I look at Dallas today. Well, Dallas is still not very good, but better. Um, Washington with Alex Smith, I feel like is improving the giants over the last month or so have seemed to be improving again. None of those teams being good right now, but I can't say that the Eagles are improving right now, while at least the other three teams I feel like might be somewhat headed in the right direction. I feel like the Eagles are taking a step back. And I, you know, there have been times this year where I feel like Carson Wentz has gotten an unfair amount of the blame. Um, and that, that comes with, we talked about it, maybe it's because he got the contract as opposed to some other quarterbacks who haven't gotten that contract yet, but aren't performing well either. Um, I just think, I think it set the tone. They drove down the field. They got a three and out, drove down the field, and Miles Sanders fumbles inside the four. Wentz did not throw a lot there, but he had a few good passes early on, like really nice passes to Goddard. And then, like, they had a couple turnovers, and it just seemed like he started forcing things then, and that was that. And they just couldn't really get anything going. Just way too many mistakes, and I just... Don't think they're very good. And what kills me is I, and I've said this to you a number of times. I I think Wentz is still the guy. I think they, it's just a bad year. You kind of need to regroup and they're trying to dig out of a, too big of a hole that they've built in terms of how they played all year. But the issue, I think, along with the injuries that they've had earlier in the season, they've gotten some guys back and everything. But the issue is that the the engineer of that, Super Bowl offense isn't in Chicago. That engineer of that team is in Indianapolis and he's the head coach there because I'm listening to that game today and they're ranting and raving about the play calling in Indianapolis all game in a positive way, in a positive way about how Frank Reich in the second half couldn't dial up the wrong play. And he's putting Phillip rivers in a position to win. And the Colts are looking great. And that was the problem when, when Reich, and 
the quarterbacks coach left that year. It, they had to rehaul the offense and it just, there are a combination of factors, but I think Reich not being there is the biggest single factor in why the Eagles haven't been able to reproduce that offense from that year. That's, that's my opinion. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I think they've got lots of issues and I don't think Howie Roseman has necessarily helped them in terms of addressing some of those issues, but the play needs to be much better. Paul, what were your takeaways from the Eagles' loss to the Browns today? Uh, before we dive into the the bigger questions that people like to talk with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, what was your opinion of the the Eagles' uh, performance today in Cleveland? Well, I mean, whether it's high school, college, the NFL, if you turn it over, you lose. I mean, it, it's really simple. We can get into analytics, and you know, if you're playing a three-four or four-three or a cover two all this stuff, when you turn the football over, you lose. And Miles Sanders inside the five coughs the football up. That was a great drive. Looks like they were going to go in for a score. And then you throw a pick six. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a 14-point turnaround right there on, on those two plays. And if you look at the, the pick six, Rager was wide open. And I don't know why Carson hesitated it looked like he was looking right at him. It looked like that was his read, and he waited and waited. And we've seen that uh, for years now with Carson. And, and I've always been a Carson supporter, but he's going to be 28 years old next month. So it's not like we're talking about a rookie anymore. And he proved in the Super Bowl season before he got hurt, unfortunately, that he can be really good. I mean, he might have been the MVP that season. He was definitely one of the, the front runners there. But this season, I mean, those type of mistakes are killers right there. And if you look at the first half last week against the Giants, and that was off a bye, so you have extra time to prepare. They had three points at halftime, and today they had zero. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's not like they were going up against the 85 Bears. Miles Garrett didn't even play today, and they still had a lot of time. The offensive line, Jason Peters looks like he's done. I mean, he he was just getting abused at, at left tackle. But I'm glad we already brought up Frank Reich's name. And I I, I tweeted about this because I was watching the, the Colts and Packers, and it ended up being a really exciting finish. But if people weren't watching that, Green Bay was up 14 points. And most coaches in the NFL, they panic, and they immediately abandon the run game. We saw it with with Andy Reid, who I, I think is a great coach, Hall of Fame coach. But we've also seen it over the years with Doug Peterson. Do you think if Doug Peterson was down 14 in the third quarter, he's running the ball? Frank Wright did. In fact, he ran it eight straight times on one drive. And then with two minutes to go in the third quarter, they're within three by running the football. Now, Rivers did have a couple passes, but my point is they committed to the run because that's their identity. Miles Sanders looked great in the first half. In the second half today, he didn't even get the ball. He finished with under 70 rushing yards when he was on pace for 100. And this happens over and over with Doug Peterson. He just, he won't commit to the run, but I thought that was a great example if you saw the Colts and the Packers. Frank Reich knows their identity, stuck with it, didn't panic, and they end up winning the game in overtime. Now, Green Bay did not play well. They had some dumb penalties and four turnovers in the game, which which didn't help matters, uh, and their defense isn't any good anyway. But th- the point is, you know, Doug Peterson's definitely part of this issue. Carson Wentz has not been good. Uh, we all know the definition of in, insanity, right? It's it's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I think the Eagles, they are what they are at this point, which is just not a good team. Yeah, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And and one of the frustrating things to me is like you hear these things and they're they're kind of cliche, but like we know like cliches get they're rooted in some truth. And they talk about how all right, teams that have trouble protecting the quarterback, what do you need to be able to do? Establish a line of scrimmage, run the ball, all those things. The Eagles have the tools and have the ability. Like if if you don't if you want to take some of the heat off of Carson and give him some time to throw because there have been times this year where 
he's getting tackled as the ball's getting back to him. And like that, you know, what are you going to do? But run the ball. If you can run the ball, and they have guys. Boston Scott is the changeup guy. Miles Sanders in there. Like Corey Clement last week, I know he's on the COVID list this week, but like they had guys that they can effectively run the ball that helps build your line's confidence. It helps build some rhythm there. It helps slow down the pass rush. It helps do all these things. And like you said, Doug just won't do it. He just, I don't, oh man, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But the other thing I, I think is frustrating, and, and look, Boston Scott is a nice story, and I know why he's a fan favorite. You know, I think people often like to root for the little guy. You know, when Darren Sproles was right. out there, everybody loved him. Uh, for Giants fans, you remember Dave Meggett. You know, th- these guys, <laughs> people just, you know, whether if it's basketball, you have a, a Spud Webb or a Muggsy Bogues. So he's a nice story. But it has to drive Eagles fans to the brink of insanity when you have Miles Sanders, I think we all agree he's a top five running back, right? I mean, yeah. you have Christian McCaffrey, you have Derrick Henry, uh, Saquon Barkley when he's healthy. There, there are other good backs, but I think everyone would sit Dalvin Cook, Kamara. Miles Sanders is is in that conversation. I'm not saying he's the best in the league, but he's in the conversation. And yet, why is he constantly being taken out of the game? Huh. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. mind-boggling. To me, it's it's not like we're talking high school where a guy's playing offense and defense and you don't want to wear him down. We're not talking about, you know, Avanti Lockhart here, guys, for the <laughs> Wilson fans. Listen, you know, he's not going to be on defense. He's going to be fine. I don't understand. the And Deuce Staley does a lot of that. Uh, I don't get that. I mean, could you imagine, you know, having a Walter Payton or, you know, a player like that and you're going to rotate with somebody? I mean, they were within two points in the fourth quarter and there was a drive. Miles Sanders wasn't even on the field at the start of the drive. And I, I get they have different packages, right? But that just, it makes no sense to me why you have a, a player like that. And you look at his yards per carry. I mean, he's a big play type of guy. Uh, and again, it's nothing against Boston Scott, but let's be real. I mean, Boston Scott or Miles Sanders, who do you want having the ball in the fourth quarter of a close game. Right. Yeah. I think coming into this game, I think Miles Sanders was averaging over six yards a carry. Now I know he missed a couple weeks, but it's almost Thanksgiving and he's averaging over six yards a carry. Give the dude the ball and leave him in the game. Like you said, like let him, he's, he's your best offensive weapon. Let Miles cook. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But like, let him, let him go to work. Like, oh man, it just, and, and that's where it comes down to like, Yes, the players need to play better, 100%. There are way too many mistakes that are happening on offense, at key times, on defense, like all kinds of things. But it's also the coach's jobs to put your players in positions to succeed. And I know that dynamic changes a little bit as you get to the professional levels. But you look at the best teams, they put their players in a position to succeed. And I just don't feel like that's happening in lots of ways for the Eagles right now. And and until that changes, I don't know that you're going to see the product on the field change because you can change the guys in and out. But until you get some kind of rhythm and confidence, and a lot of that is systemic, I think, then I don't know that how much of a change you're going to see. And so, like, that's why I don't, I'm not confident you're going to see a change over the next month of the season because when you look at the Eagles' schedule, it does not get any better. I think they play Seattle next week. Um, they have to play the Saints yet. They have to play the Packers yet. Um, like there's a number of really good, they have to play Arizona yet. It just doesn't look very good. I know the last two weeks they play, I believe Washington and Dallas, which may be the only two games on the, on the schedule that I'm like, they have a shot at winning and I wouldn't consider them favorites necessarily, but like they have a shot at winning on the other hand, winning those two might get you the division title, depending on how it goes. A division champ at five, 10 and one hosting be, Tampa Bay. Maybe ooh, boy, Can that you imagine would be, that? Uh, that would be interesting. The uproar. I mean, there's already people screaming because they know it's going to happen. They know that the NFC East is just not great, but right. the winner's going to get to host a game against a team that's much better. And then we're going to have that. What was it a few years ago? The Seahawks were, were bad and they and hosted, hosted the saints, saints and they right. upset them. Yep. Yeah. It'll be interesting once January comes, but Paul, I'm going to let Paul ask, answer this first, yeah. Justin, but because I, I know you're going to have an answer as well. I, I know it's really easy to say 
where like who's to blame what is the is there one reason i think we can all agree it's not just one reason but is there someone within the eagles organization that you think is the biggest problem is it is it Wentz? Is it a lack of talent? Which you can say, obviously, that's Howie Roseman in the front office's job. Is it coaching? Is it Peterson? Is it is it positional? If there was something out there that you could say, this is probably the biggest issue with the Eagles right now, what what would you pick? You know, it's, it's a good question. I'm glad you brought up this topic because I, I feel like, especially on Twitter, when you only have so many characters, uh, and I like Twitter, uh, for the information and the news, but you're not going to have like a healthy debate or discussion on Twitter. Okay. Be- because of the, you know, limited amount of, of, of words that you're, you're able to use, but this, this often gets thrown out and it's, you know, it's a talk radio topic too. you know, who's to blame. And it drives me crazy when I hear people say it's either Wentz or Peterson or Howie. Well, why can't it be a combination? You know, I, I don't I don't think it's just one guy. I, I really do. I, I think they all have a, a piece of, of the blame here. I mean, I, again, that pick six, Rager's open. Wentz doesn't throw it to him. Then there's pressure from the backside and he, he throws the interception. The play calling, we talked about the lack of the run game. Well, Carson's not calling plays. I mean, how are we going to blame that? on Carson Wentz I mean Doug's the one ultimately if you need to run the ball and they look great on their opening drive running the ball so that's on Doug um if they're thin at certain positions look at linebacker the linebackers they have I mean uh, it, we could spend an hour on that I mean that that's not an NFL yes, linebacker core they all look about a buck 75 out there um you know you uh, they can't stand up against the run. They can't cover, but they fail to address that position in the draft. They never address it. And then you look at, you know, a guy like Justin Jefferson and what he's doing now for Minnesota. And they took Rager right before him when Jefferson was the most productive receiver in the country at LSU. He won a national championship. He played in, in the biggest games. They passed on him, and look what he's doing now. How about taking Arcega Whiteside uh, in the hel- second round? Yeah. You can't miss COVID list this week, healthy scratch and last second round guys. If, yeah. if you miss on guys in round five, six, or seven, nobody cares. You can't miss on those type of, of guys. How about Sidney Jones, who everyone said, oh, it was a steal when they got him because he was coming off the injury. Well, um, you know, he, he's not even in town anymore. That was a second round draft pick. So that's, you know, how we play our personnel, but Doug not committing to the run, the two point conversion plays, which are just pathetic. And then Carson has to play better. So I, I understand for simplicity's sake, why people like to ask that question, but that there's not an answer that it's one guy. I mean, that's, you know, that's just, uh, to me, that's not logical to just say it's one person. And real quick on the schedule, I was looking at it today. The Cowboys are going to win this division. I, I know probably a lot of listeners hate to hear that. They have four winnable games on the schedule. The Eagles, to me, have two. They have Seattle, then they go to Lambeau to play Green Bay. Then they have the Saints, and who you know we'll see if, if Breeze is back then, but they still won today with Taysom Hill in there. Then they have Arizona on the road, and then they finish up with Dallas and Washington. I think the last two are winnable. I don't see them winning those other four games. And then take a look at the Cowboys' schedule. They could possibly get four wins. I don't think they will because they're they're not good either, although they did manage to win at Minnesota as a touchdown dog today. But I think the Cowboys are going to win the division as, as much as I hate to say that. Well, I mean, we're okay with that only because that's who we predicted at the beginning of the year. Obviously, we were thinking the Cowboys would be more like 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 and not awful right. like the NFC East is. But uh, in terms of predictions, I'm okay with that. But I know Justin, as a diehard Eagles fan, doesn't want anything to do with that. But right. I mean, he's nodding over here saying he's in complete agreement with you. So before we move on to the rest of the NFL, Justin, what do you have to say? Yeah, I think, again, I, I agree with Paul. Like, the problem is 
the bl- there's plenty of blame to go around. Um, I, you know, I throw in there also, and I guess this goes on coaching, but also I know these teams have whole like player development programs. And like, I feel like when was the last time the Eagles got a player and that player developed under in the Eagles system? And you're like, Oh man, that guy, we really developed him into something other than like college quarterbacks that we throw in there at wide receiver who can make some plays because like you talk about linebackers. Well, they keep taking these guys that they say are project linebackers. Well, that's fine, but we don't have any solid are linebackers to throw. Are you ever going to finish a project? Right. Like when we get defensive backs, like, oh, this guy has potential. That's fine. How about a guy that can start now? You know, it's just, it becomes frustrating. We see it along the offensive line. They take, you know, six, eight rugby player. And don't get me wrong. Or he, a firefighter. Oh my gosh. Don't <laughs> bring up Danny Watkins. That drives me nuts. That, you know, what? The, the, you know, some of the guys they've had on the line, they have developed. And honestly, I think they're heading on the right path. But when you have your franchise quarterback or you believe you have your franchise quarterback, that's not the time to just like not get anyone. And you have the Justin Jefferson, I, I think Jalen Rager will be good, but it is tough sitting and watching guys, you know, go out that they, and not just him, the last few years, we talk about this every week, DK Metcalf. And, sitting there. and the thing with Justin Jefferson, like Metcalf, I get there were, you know, some things right. like people thought he was just kind of like a combine freak and all kinds of stuff. Like it, I get that. But Justin Jefferson was the best wide receiver on the best team in the country. Like we were doing this show yes. live during the draft and the Eagles pick comes up and we're like, this has to be Justin Jefferson, right? This right. has to be Justin Jefferson. Right. And, and it's not. And, and that's not really to dog on Rager because no. he was a fir- he was first round graded. And I do also believe that he will will be OK. But right. I never for a second thought he was better than Justin Jefferson. No. He just right. And on. the problem is, though, you can look at the, like the last three years of drafts and the wide receivers the Eagles have taken us um, Rager aside, the wide receivers the Eagles have taken have been awful. And the wide receivers they've passed on are becoming stars in multiple cities across the country. And so, like, it becomes acquiring talent is a problem. Developing talent is a problem. And the on-field production by the players is a problem. And so, I don't know. And the bad news about that is that there isn't a quick fix. Like, I don't know what you do to right the ship, but they got to figure it out. Because while... Look, they can do horrible this season. Doug's not losing his job this year, and nor nor should he. Like for for a bad year, but his like seat will be super hot next year. But if if this if they look similar at the beginning of next year, it's gonna get hot in a hurry. And I know they've had relative stability um, over the last two decades. You know, only three coaches in that time. <sighs> You got to think he. They at least have to stem the tide, and the problem is there are other teams that are in maybe better position to keep getting better in the division. So it's not going to be easy. All right, we're going to have to cut it there with the Eagles talk. I, we could probably go for at least another hour just talking about the Eagles, but we only have we've got less than. But a I half didn't bring my to... blood pressure meds, so we need to move on. <laughs> we need to move on. Um, so, Paul, this is something that we almost never talk about honestly this is probably something that comes up once a year we talk about prop bets for the super bowl just for fun but i'm interested to know in terms of sports betting week seven or excuse me week 11 here um what was your biggest surprise biggest bust like what in terms of sports betting who 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 covered, who didn't cover, like, give me, like, the lowdown on these games that we saw today that was a surprise or something you saw people trending towards and you were saying, no way, that's not going to happen. I'll give you a couple of them. And uh, I I follow a lot of pro gamblers because I, I like to get their their insight. And it, it's, it was interesting because today, two of the teams they were on heavily – were the Philadelphia Eagles, believe it or not, and the Atlanta Falcons. And both of them looked terrible. The, the Falcons were up 9-3 at New Orleans with Taysom Hill at, at quarterback and ended up losing that game 24-9. to So they didn't come close to, to covering in that one. And the Eagles, even with the, the garbage touchdown they got late to make it 22-17, uh, they didn't cover that one either. So a lot of really well-respected 
pro betters were way off on those. Uh, Dallas, obviously, as a touchdown dog to win outright. You know, I don't know that a lot of people thought that was was going to happen at Minnesota with the way uh, the Cowboys have played. I think the Titans winning at Baltimore in overtime surprised a lot of, of people there. Uh, Baltimore, you really have to wonder about them now. And I think the injuries up front have hurt them. You saw in the, the prime time game how New England just ran the ball right down their throat. Well, that's how Tennessee loves to play. And Derrick Henry ended up winning it in overtime. He had 130 yards uh, on the ground today. Patriots losing at Houston. I think that surprised a lot of people. Not me personally. I've been uh, bashing New England all season. And I I think, listen, Belichick's a Hall of Fame coach. One of the best ever. You could probably make the case he is the best ever. But you still need talent. And that guy with the six Super Bowls, he's not at Foxborough anymore. He's now down in Tampa playing for uh, the Buccaneers. So uh, the the Patriots, they just they don't scare you. I mean, offensively, they don't have the weapons. And Cam Newton, you know, hasn't played very well. But to lose to Houston, I mean, Houston, Houston's run defense is garbage. And that's supposed to be New England's strength. It certainly was against Baltimore. They just pounded the Ravens in that game. Uh, Joe, I know you're a a big Dolphins fan. Uh, I will say this. Um, Sometimes I I talk a lot about the opposite theory, guys. And what it simply is, is a fate of the public. So if I see a ton of money coming in on one team, I just go the opposite way, even though it makes no sense. And this was a great example. The Dolphins have been red hot, right? And the Broncos, you know, nobody looks at the Broncos as a contender. They were talking about maybe not not starting lock at quarterback. And what happens? Not only does Denver cover, Denver wins outright and two against benched in the game. So you, you have to be careful sometimes. If you're just looking at X's and O's or player matchups, the line to me tells you a lot more. And where the money goes uh, tells me a lot. And, you know, as we speak, Vegas is giving the Chiefs a good game right now. It's you're talking 14 about all. Vegas, the football team, not today. Vegas, the entity. And <laughs> all of the money was on Kansas City. And I could get that. You know, Andy Reid coming off a bye, mm-hmm. revenge factor because they lost the first time to the Raiders, and then they took that victory lap on yeah. the bus, which I still hasn't, haven't figured that one out. <laughs> Who does a victory lap on the team bus? But mm-hmm. anyway, all the money has been in on, on the Chiefs. All the money came in on the Packers, and you know they end up losing outright in overtime. So from a, a gambling perspective, sometimes – it's going to look weird, but you just have to go opposite and fade the public. It kind of reminds me, sometimes you'll hear them refer to that idea about how like the public money is going one way, but like the shark money is going another. Like you'll see like the most of the tickets are on one team, like because people like Joe Schmo is, you know, at, right. at the sports book, like laying it down. But like the majority of the money is on this team because the people who are really laying it down, you know, and do that more regularly. And it's one of those things where I just I that usually sticks out to me because I'm just thinking I'm like, well, there's people like me who walk up to a sports book once in a you know lifetime, like the one time I was in Vegas. And I'm like, yeah, I want this parlay. And I just, you know, basically making my donation to keep the lights on, but like, <laughs> you know, and then there's people who know what they're doing and like, yeah, I, I know you, you all the time are like, you know, follow the line, you know, let the line lead you. And I'm just like, yeah, that makes, don't try to, don't try to outsmart it. And don't think you're the smartest one in the room. Yeah. The best, the best, Pro gamblers, I'm talking about guys who do this for a living. When it comes to the NFL, they're hitting around 56, 50, 
Okay, that should give people perspective. So if you ever find someone who says how easy sports gambling is, especially the NFL, just politely nod and smile and then walk yeah. away. Don't take advice from them. You're only going to get dumber in that, in that conversation. It is not easy. It is far from easy. But sometimes on, on Twitter, you'll see me throw out a, a fishy line. And, you know, that that's just something that makes – no sense. College football, one thing I look at, if you have a top 25 team playing an unranked team and the unranked team is favored. Now, why is that? You know, so, something's fishy about that. So, you know, sometimes people get caught up in, well, this team is really good at running the ball and that team has a has a bad run defense. And certainly those are factors, but I think you you will learn a lot more just by looking at lines and the movements and you hit the nail on the head. It's not so much the tickets, it's the money because you have big time syndicates out there that are betting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on games. And it's important to look at where the money is as opposed to the tickets because you could have a lot of tickets with, Joe Q public making his $5, you know, $10 and, and quick side note, I think gambling sometimes gets a bad rap and you have all these apps now, so it's legal, but you, you can bet a dollar on something. You can come up with a crazy 10 team parlay and put a dollar on, you know, it's sometimes I think people hear gambling and they, they, you know, think you're, you're, you're going to have to get a second mortgage or something like that. I mean, you can have fun with it, but um, line movements and things that just look weird, uh, those are those are some things that I, I try to, to look at. Excellent. Well, yeah. I certainly appreciate the insight because, like like I said, Justin and I don't talk about that much. We usually don't do anything yeah, with spreads. Not, yeah. we're, we're straight up, you know, by the book, easy, who's going to win, stuff like that. But obviously I know there's lots of people interested in sports gambling. Well, I think I saw something like – and it might have been for the month of October. I'm not exactly sure, but like Pennsylvania became like the third state to break a certain number in sports book money that had been bet legally um, because of the sports gambling apps that are now available. Yeah, it's certainly been a renaissance and a boon. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And and like Paul said, I don't see anything bad about it. You know, like most things, moderation and sensibility don't develop an issue. Like, don't make it a habit, uh, especially if you're really bad at it. So, um, <laughs> and most people are. And most people are. Right, right, right. So um, we, we've got about 10, 15 minutes left here. Uh, we we don't need to examine every game, obviously, but I, I am interested, Paul, in your take on some of the teams that um, that you think are Super Bowl contenders. So I'm going to run through the games here. Um, we don't have to talk about them at all. We can just say pass and move along. But if we hit a game that has a team or two that you think uh, has some positives going in their favor and could possibly make Super Bowl 55, I'd love to get your uh, opinion on uh, – on uh, their their positives and negatives. So we're going to start back at the beginning of Week 11 with the Thursday night game, which saw the Cardinals go to Seattle but lose to the Seahawks 28-21. Anything about Arizona or Seattle stick out to you as uh, potential uh, players for the Lombardi Trophy? You know, th there are a lot of teams that you're going to hear me say the same thing. They're great if you have their fantasy football players, but real football is played between the lines, uh, not on your computer. And some of these teams don't play any defense. So everybody loves Russell Wilson and the weapons he has. They don't play any defense. And that's why I, I don't view Seattle as a true contender. I think Green Bay is in that, that mix uh, as well. And you saw their defense, they gave up 420 yards to the Colts today. They can't stop the run a little bit. Uh, you know, it's the same story with the Packers. So those two teams, I think they're exciting to watch when you look at uh, Arizona and Seattle, but defensively it's not there. All right. So that's a n unlikely or no for Arizona and Seattle. 
the next game was Steelers over Jaguars on this list. 27-3 favor of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh undefeated Jacksonville losers of nine in a row. Obviously, we don't have to talk about Jacksonville, but what is your opinion on Pittsburgh? Are you suggesting the Jags aren't a contender, Joe? <laughs> I am suggesting that, and there's only one team worse than them, and I look forward to making fun of them in a few minutes. But go ahead and talk now, about the Steelers. Uh, I love the Steelers because, as I just said, and maybe I'm just too old school, I like teams that can actually stop people once in a while as opposed to Big 12 football where you know it's the first one to, to 65. The Steelers have a great defense. Steelers and the Colts. Colts have an excellent defense. I know Phillip Rivers can be a statue, but he played well today, and they run the football. They play each other in a few weeks. are legit. I mean, they they have a real chance. I think the Steelers and Kansas City are, you know, the two teams to watch now in the AFC. All right. Uh, I got two games in a row here that have – most likely no playoff implications, let alone Super Bowl aspirations. The Lions were shut out by the Panthers 20 to nothing. And as you already mentioned, the Texans upset the Patriots 27 to 20. But again, those four teams uh, unlikely to even make the playoffs, let alone Super Bowl 55. This game you already talked about a bit because it features, uh, you know, one of the big stories from last year, the Baltimore Ravens, and also the Tennessee Titans, who grabbed a lot of headlines uh, featuring the running of Derrick Henry. The Titans got the win in overtime today, 30-24. to What's your opinion on those two teams? Titans defense stinks. Uh, I love Vrabel as a coach, and I, I like their style. I think um, the late John Gursky would probably love how Tennessee plays football. I mean, they're, they're a power team. Uh, we saw that last year. You know, they like to shorten the game. They're kind of the aberration now in the, in the National Football League with their style of play. But their defense is so bad, I can't see them, you know, stopping, you know, Kansas City or, or, or Pittsburgh. You know, Big Ben's got a lot of weapons, too, especially adding Claypool. I mean, you know, now that receiving core got even deeper. So I respect the Titans with the coaching and their style of play. They're physical. Their defense just isn't good enough. And Baltimore, their injuries on the D-line, and they gave up 30 again today. I know it was an overtime game. They're just not the same team anymore. No, they're really not. A little surprising. I'd say they're one of the bigger disappointments for me at this point sitting at uh, six and four. Now, we already talked about Philadelphia and Cleveland um, well, we talked about Philadelphia. We didn't really talk much about Cleveland. So what do you think about the Browns? Are they a team that uh, you think could make some noise or uh, are they still a few years away? You know, it's interesting because I don't think people realize they're seven and three. Right. I Sneaky, mean, I, we're, yeah. we're just used to Cleveland. You know, last year they had so much hype and they they were a bust. I mean, they they just they really disappointed. But now to be you know seven and three I think it's a great story um and you know maybe Stefanski gets coach of the year votes there we'll see how it plays out but I don't put Cleveland in the same category as Pittsburgh or Kansas City no I think we're right there with you I would agree we you know Cleveland is always one of those teams that they're just they're kind of lovable losers. If you're not a fellow AFC North team, I feel like the rest of the NFL is kind of like, ah, it's Cleveland. Like, let them yeah. let them have a good time. You know, there's all that animosity between them and Baltimore, and it's fun to watch them. Cleveland, Cincy, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. It's fun. They've been terrible for so long. And then last year, everyone was all hyped up, but Justin and I called that immediately. We're like, nope, no way, not going to happen. But I, I, I'm I'm happy for them that they're seven and three this year. I, I but I agree. I don't think they're quite there yet. They may make the playoffs this year, but I don't think they're uh, they're anywhere close to being a Super Bowl contender. Not with what else is out there, especially in the AFC. Uh, but in the NFC, Falcons obviously not going to be a factor come playoff time. But their opponent today, the New Orleans Saints. What what do you make of them? With and without Drew Brees, what what do you, what do you think about the Saints? Are they they still one of the teams to beat in the NFC? I mean, their record say, says so, but how do you feel about them? Yeah, my favorite is still Tampa Bay, and I, I think what happens is people see the primetime games, and it almost counts like two or three games mentally. And and when people saw what the Saints did to the Bucks, I think all of a sudden nationally. 
it was like, wow, you know, Tampa Bay's overrated. Tom Brady's too old. He stinks, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you have to take a step back and reevaluate a little bit, take a deep breath and realize it was one game. In the NFL, almost every team is going to have a bad game. I mean, you know, there's not much that differentiates NFL teams, which is why when you see most of the betting lines, they're usually between three and six points. I mean, the, the margin of error is slim. Now you have some teams, you know, like uh, the Jets and the Jags <laughs> out there, but there's a lot of, you know, gray area in between. Uh, but I, I think people can't get out of their head that Tampa Bay loss to uh, the Saints. And that was another game where the public was all over Tampa Bay and not only did the Saints cover, they they routed them. So I, I like Tampa Bay because I think their defense is better than the other teams in the NFC, especially Green Bay, definitely Seattle. Tampa Bay has a better defense. Uh, the Saints, uh, they have to be considered a contender. I didn't get all the, the shock about Taysom Hill starting. Did anyone watch Jameis Winston last year? He threw 30 interceptions, plus follow the money trail. I think they guaranteed Taysom Hill $16 million. Jameis Winston is like getting a million. Right. He's literally Uh, getting like 10% of what they guaranteed. It didn't surprise me at all. People were going nuts about Hill starting over Winston. Uh, that, That really didn't surprise me. Heck, how many games have we seen with the Saints guys where it's a critical third down and Sean Payton takes breeze off the field and puts Taysom Hill in even when breeze is healthy he takes him out of the game so you know Taysom Hill's a great athlete and obviously they they won today so they're they're a team to watch I I think Tampa Bay to me I think Tampa Bay's defense a little bit better than the Saints right now my my favorite part of the Saints and Taysom Hill is that ESPN decided to allow people to play him as a tight end while he is starting a quarterback in fantasy and I just yeah. happened to pick him up and play him at tight end today so I had him and Deshaun Watson in my fantasy matchup so I felt pretty good um had a had a pretty good fantasy uh day with the two of them so not much to say about Cincinnati and Washington other than the unfortunate injury to Joe Burrow. That's really disappointing. He was having a fabulous rookie season, um, definitely in the conversation for rookie of the year. and just kind of picked up right where he left off at LSU, which is crazy to think uh, about. But, he, you know, he was a bright spot for Cincinnati this year. And to see him get injured is just um, not good, obviously, for him or the team, but for the NFL when one of their young stars goes down. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And, and, you know, talking about the gambling side, there's tons of prop bets out there and people like to wager on MVP or rookie of the year. Well, now if you have Justin Herbert mm-hmm. from the Chargers, Had a great game that today. ticket looks a lot better right now. Uh, it's, it's obviously unfortunate that, that Burrow got injured. But from that perspective, uh, and Herbert put up some big numbers today. Yeah, he he certainly did, and that's the game we're on next. Is the Chargers defeated the Jets thirty four to twenty eight? I think we're all in agreement that neither of those teams is uh, a danger uh, come the playoff time from making the Super Bowl at all, especially because the Jets are winless. I just want to point that out. The Jets are awful. They are terrible. Uh, as a Dolphins fan, I hate the Jets, and I said many times coming into this year that I thought they were the worst team in the NFL, and I'm glad they're proving my point right now. But really nothing else to say about the Jets. Chargers, yeah, it's all about Herbert, and he has looked really strong, and now he probably is the odds-on favorite, I would think, for Rookie of the Year with with Burrow going down. He has an easier path to it, at least now. Um, it's unfortunate it has to come that way, but he has looked very good, so... Um, the Chargers uh, could be a team then on the rise in the future if they can get some of the other issues figured out uh, week to and week. And if they get a new coach, Anthony <laughs> Lynn is a nightmare. I mean, he, in in you know game management, I don't get why these teams don't hire someone specifically just for game management issues, like when to go for two or when to go on fourth and one or two. But Anthony Lynn in those decisions. He's just brutal. Or like even how how about today when they're just they're going to take the safety to end it and they do it but they do it with one second left so then they have to take the free kick <laughs> at the end. Now 
It didn't matter. They they stopped the Jets. The Jets didn't even actually get a lateral off, which is very Jets-like. But, like, how... Like, and I understand they were coming, but, like, that's where you, you need to have a plan to make sure you run all the time off the clock. Like, oh, my gosh. Especially if you're the Chargers and you find ways to lose games. Like, that's something you should be aware of. But So, um, just a couple of games left here. Unfortunately, um, my Dolphins came up short today out in Denver. And I feel like I could see it coming, but it wasn't uh, strong enough to pick against them just because they had been on the five-game roll and they've been winning in, in a variety of ways. They usually had two of their three phases clicking. Unfortunately, uh, the defense wasn't doing it today and the offense wasn't there at all. Tua ended up getting benched uh, at the end of the third or beginning of the fourth and looked like there might be some Fitz magic as he led a field goal drive and surpassed Tua's passing numbers um, in like half a quarter. But then right near the end of the game, when he had him in the red zone, he did throw an interception that sealed it. So Dolphins get knocked off, and that probably uh, puts a, a dent in their playoff futures. Obviously, I don't think anyone thought either of these teams was Super Bowl worthy this year. But as a Dolphins fan, despite the loss, I still am very optimistic. I love Brian Flores, and I can't wait to see what they're able to do over the next few years, as long as Tua can continue to, uh, to, to mature and develop in the NFL. Yeah, and I know he got benched today, but I think I've seen, and it's a small sample size, but I've seen enough where I think he has a bright future. And and Brian Flores did say after the game he is going to start next week. So, you know, I think they were just looking for a spark because they were still in the game. And obviously, you know, Fitz Magic has that nickname for a reason. But the Dolphins have been very opportunistic, a lot of special teams plays, block kicks turnovers things like that and pro gamblers will say that's not sustainable and I think you know they just got caught up in a in a bad spot today but as for Tua you know I think he's going to be a solid quarterback I hope so it's been a long (laughs) time since I can say that as a Dolphins fan Um, Dan Marino a lot a lot of hopes over the years um, but yeah, it's, uh, I grew up uh, watching Dan Marino play, so um, I would love for Tua to be able to uh, take over. And I was I was happy about the first few weeks, but uh, a little setback today. But it's still early in the cycle for the Dolphins. I think people were thinking maybe next year they could start to make some noise. So uh, I'm I'm okay with what's going on. Just wish they could have gotten that W today. Uh, you you mentioned Paul earlier how the Cowboys went to Minnesota to beat the Vikings. Um, I don't think either of these teams have any shot at winning anything. Obviously, the Cowboys at least have a chance at making the playoffs um, because of the NFC East, but I don't think we need to spend much time talking about them. And you did already mention Packers and Colts, uh, that Green Bay you think is, you know, they're a good team, but because their defense is so terrible, you don't see them as too much of a of a threat um, come playoff time or, or Super Bowl 55 but the Colts, great win today. You know, obviously, you and Justin talk about Frank Reich and his coaching um, prowess, and they have that great defense you talked about. So is Indianapolis someone that you consider um, a threat in the playoffs in the AFC? I'll say this. I would not want to play them. I mean, that, that's, that's for sure because, you know, we always hear defense travels. They have a really good defense that's going to keep them in the game. They completely shut down Green Bay in in the second half of that game now Rodgers uh, pulled out a tremendous drive with a, a minute and a half left to get him a field goal to tie it he had one incredible deep ball over the middle that he threw from from out of his own end zone and they got a field goal there but the Colts are see nowadays everybody has you know 15 different fantasy teams and that's all we pay attention to the Colts are not what I would call a sexy team the Packers are and people become enamored with, you know, the fantasy points that Rodgers and Adams and Jones and these guys put up. But I just I don't buy Green Bay. And I said the same thing last year that I, I thought they, they were a fraud of a team as far as, yeah, they're going to have a good record. Part of that's the division. I mean, they get to play, you know, the Bears and the Lions. Vikings aren't good this year. So I think their record gets inflated. But you can't trust them to stop anybody. You, you, you can't. And I, I mean, Rodgers is a Hall of Famer, but last time I checked, he doesn't play defense. 
So I, I would still put Tampa Bay, uh, and I would put the Saints over Green Bay. I think Justin and I are in agreement with you. We talked yeah. about our contenders last week, and we were both pretty much sold, I think, on Bucks Saints in the NFC yeah. with probably maybe like Seattle Green Bay next. I, I, right, Seattle. Seattle's interesting to me because I just wonder if. Well, and I I keep wondering, but they keep showing me that it won't happen. But like I keep wondering. Can they get enough defense? But the thing is, like, while their offense is no. explosive, <laughs> right? They they they're historically bad. It's one thing to be like a defense where oh, it's it's bad, but it's distorted because teams are always trying to catch up. But the Seahawks aren't blowing teams out; they're just in shootouts a lot because they can't stop anyone. You know, it's different from like a team like say the Chiefs last year, where yeah, but they're blowing the doors off a lot of teams, so the numbers get skewed a little bit, and then in close games, the defense was still there. Like, that's not what the Seahawks are doing. And, yeah, the, the Colts' defense, though, man, Darius Leonard had a heck of a game and is having another great year. Like, they just, yeah, I would not want to play them come, like, January, and I, I think they're in a good spot. I think they play Tennessee next week, which is a which should be a good game. Yeah, well, they just beat them on Thursday night last week. Uh-huh. So you get this weird couple couple teams get to play each other two two out of three weeks, which is uh, which is fun. So uh, just four teams left here to to talk about. Paul, uh, current Sunday night game: Chiefs Raiders. You mentioned Las Vegas looking good out to an early lead. Uh, they're up seventeen fourteen, approaching halftime. What, what what is your opinion on the Chiefs and the Raiders? Obviously, I think we can all agree that the Chiefs we think are for real. They've looked looked that way for much of the year, but the Raiders to me are kind of like the Browns. I think people are forgetting about them. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a Raiders team that's six and three and is up a field goal right now on on Kansas City. And this this was another game where all the money was on the Chiefs. And now you see it might not be that easy. I mean, they can score quickly and there's still a half to go. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But the Raiders are a team, you know, they're kind of similar to a, a Seattle and a Green Bay. Offensively, they'll score. I mean, they, they have weapons. And Nelson Aguilar, Eagles fans may not want to hear it, but he's had a nice season for them. They have a really good tight end. Um, you know, they, they can score, but they're another team. I, I, don't, I don't trust them to get, to get a stop. And Kansas City, while I don't love their defense, their offense is so good. And Andy Reid is such a good play caller. They're still my favorite to to win it all. I I, I don't think uh, Justin and I disagree with no. you. We both have been on Kansas City preseason and during this year, even with that loss to the Raiders earlier this year. And with them just struggling at the moment with them, um, like you said, everyone was picking Kansas City for so many factors, but – here we are, and they're down, uh, approaching halftime. But it's t- I mean, it's tough to go fifteen and one, or right. you know, undefeated has only happened what right. two in the regular season two times. So you're going to always have a hiccup. There's going to be a few bumps in the road. I think Kansas City will be fine, and obviously they're right up there with uh, probably at the moment Pittsburgh and Indianapolis uh, in the AFC, and then. Last ones here to touch on that are not on a buy. Rams, Buccaneers, obviously, Paul, you've talked a lot about Tampa Bay. They seem to be your NFC favorite, and for good reason. But what about the Rams? What do you make about, about Los Angeles? I have liked the Rams this season more than most people. And, you know, everyone was down on them last year, and I think they thought, well, you know, golf isn't any good. And McVay, you know, that that was kind of lightning in a bottle when they got to the Super Bowl, maybe a one-year wonder. They have a good defense. I mean, Aaron Donald is a guy who just wrecks game plans. I mean, they, they have, you know, Jalen Ramsey in their secondary. Uh, that's, that's a good defensive team. I don't think they're a Super Bowl caliber team, but – they're they're not bad. I, I I expect them to give the Bucks a good game. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I they they're just a weird team this year, but better than last year. Um, but yeah, I think I think that will be a good game tomorrow night. I'm glad it's on prime time. I'm glad everyone will get to watch it. I mean, everyone's probably tuning in for Brady, but they might be pleasantly surprised to see a see a fun showdown on Monday night. Yeah, Tampa Bay's got so many weapons. Uh, you know, with Evans and Godwin, if they get all these guys healthy at the same time, you have Gronk. I mean, 
it looks yeah. like it looks like a Pro Bowl like lineup in terms yeah. of like talent out there. Yeah, and and I think their defense, although they've they've stumbled, obviously the Saints game, you know, to me that was more of an aberration. But uh, I still consider them the favorite in in the NFC. But I think that that'll be a good game, and because, uh, like I said, the Rams do have a solid defense. Well, Paul, I appreciate you joining us. This was a lot of fun. We'll definitely need to invite you back on because uh, we just pretty much talk pro football anymore. And uh, obviously you have a lot to say about the games, the teams, and some incredible insight. I love love the stats and the betting angle. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening. We could honestly probably talk football for at least another half an hour. And that's not even counting the Berks County sports stuff and the college football stuff. So um, we'd love to talk to you again and we'll definitely have to reach out um, before the season's over. Sure. Yeah, it was great. It it went by very quickly and now I am going to root for Chad Henney and those chiefs because I do have Kansas city in a teaser. So all I need to do is to win by over two and and they'll come come through. So Big Red better turn this thing up here in the second half. Yeah. Well, uh, we are right there with you. We want to see that because wherever Chad Henney goes, count us fans of those teams. So uh, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl last year was uh, pretty, pretty sweet. So, again, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on uh, again sometime in the future. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Yep. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Take care. All right. Take care, Paul. All right, so that pretty much wraps things up here for the episode 316 of the Joe Mays and J-Raff show. And, um, yep, I don't, do you have anything else to add before we get out of here? No, I think we touched on a lot of, like, good topics tonight on yeah. the NFL. It was good to hear Paul. Like, it's funny because, like, some of the things he says, we are spot on with what we say. And sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way. Or, you know, like, but, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to just... Bring someone else in that's just talking football, just like us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, I reached out to a, a different guest for next weekend. Uh, I know his schedule is up in the air at the moment. Uh, hopefully we can welcome uh, the individual on. I don't want to tease it in case it right, doesn't right, happen. Yep. Um, but if not, Justin and I will be here talking about NFL Week 12. We'll be reca- recapping the Thanksgiving football as well as whatever else happens on Sunday. And just keep rolling along with uh, football during the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. So, Reason to be thankful, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, with nothing else to add, that pretty much is it for us here on the Joe Mays and J-Rap show. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe and tweet and all those good things on a variety of uh, social networks and places to subscribe to the show. Visit jmnjrradio.com. Find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know the drill. Find us. Oh, and leave a leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. Again, you can find all of the shows on JMNJR Radio. But that does it for us this time. Thanks again to Paul Roberts for joining us. And we'll be back again in one week's time. That's a wrap on this episode of the Joe Mays and J-Rap Show, brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop. You can watch each weekly episode live on Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can also rate and review us on many of these platforms as well. We'd love to hear from you. Send your email to the Mays Sandwich Shop inbox at joemaysandjraff at gmail.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF Show is a part of the JMNJR Radio Network, home to other productions such as the Bulldog Hour, Tangents with Friends, and Nat Chats with Dad. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>